please keep your arms and legs inside the pews at all times because it's a dangerous world. Oh, it's a wondrous world full of joy and goodness, but at times it can be scary and it can be dangerous. And as we walk through this world with its ups and downs, toils and snares, twists and curves, how many times do we think, oh, if I could just see Jesus, if I could just see Jesus, if I could just hear his voice and know that I was walking right. Sometimes we even think, oh, I wish I had lived back then, back in the Bible times where I could walk with Jesus, I could touch his robe, I could hear his voice. Oh, it would be great. It would have been great if I would have lived then. But be careful what you wish for. Because Jesus' road wasn't an easy road, and it led to the cross. In fact, when Jesus began his ministry, he went into the desert, the wilderness, to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. As Jesus began his public ministry, he was baptized by John in the River Jordan. And then we pick up the story in the fourth chapter of Luke. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all of this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Now, we must understand that Jesus' journey was the same, of, same as ours, but different than ours. It was a, a greater journey than ours. Sure, it was a human life, but Jesus was fulfilling the will of his Father to redeem all of creation. Jesus' journey was taking all of the sins, everything that is wrong and evil in this world, taking it upon himself all the way to the cross. Jesus' life was greater than ours. Though 
it echoes ours. It's like the life of a parent is, is different from a child. A child can't understand the, the worry of a parent. The child can't understand the hopes of a parent. So we can't fully understand the life, the journey, the walk of Jesus in this world. But we can be instructed by it. We can be taught by it. Particularly in this story. We know this story. Jesus is led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. Now think about it. Jesus, who could perform miracles. Jesus, who had the power to calm a storm with a word. Jesus, who was God. Jesus is tempted by the devil. The devil says to him, I, I know you're hungry. I can hear your stomach growling. That's right. Lunch is a little bit away. But hey, why don't you turn this, turn this stone to bread? I picture it was one of those round stones that basically look like bread. You could almost smell it. Come on, you can do it, Jesus. Turn this stone to bread. And Jesus, who could perform miracles, who could turn water into wine, Jesus used the word of God against the devil. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And Jesus knew the rest of that verse. Shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from the Father's mouth. Then the devil put him on a high place and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world. Jesus, who's, who was following the will of his father, Jesus, who had the desire that all of those kingdoms would come to him. But the devil says, look, I own them. They belong to me. I'll give them to you. All you got to do, all you got to do is worship, worship me. And Jesus again uses the word of God. He wields the word of God and says, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil led him to Jerusalem and put him on the pinnacle of the temple and says, Jump off, go ahead, jump off. And the devil says, For it is written. The devil's like, That's right, I read the book too. I know the book backwards and forwards, covers, I know it inside and out. For it is written, he'll command his angels to guard you. They'll lift you up. You won't even strike your foot against the stone. Then Jesus, who has said two times it is written, says, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And the devil slithered away, waiting for an opportune time. So we should be instructed by this, that Jesus, in his time of temptation, used the word of God against the devil, used the word of God against everything that is wrong and evil in the world. So we, too, can use the word of God. We, too, can wield the word of God. Now, we have begun this journey through Lent, the walk, trying to draw ourselves closer to Jesus. And the first step of that walk, as Pastor Ty talked about last week, was worship. 
to worship together, to, to be together in worship. When we come in here and, and sing God's praises and, and hear the hymns in the choir and, and lift our prayers, when we look around, we know we're not alone because all the devil wants to do is isolate us. But when we are together, when we worship together, we know that we're not, we're never, ever alone. And not only worshiping together, but when we worship individually, we do that in prayer five times a day. Wake up, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and tucked in to bed at night. Well, that was the first step on this walk. The second step, the second step, I got to remember the importance of listening and paying attention. Now, I said in the office this week, I don't know who on earth gave the importance of listening and paying attention to Pastor Allen. I got the attention span of a gnat. I mean, the one thing they've said about me since I was little, he never pays attention. He's always talking too much. And he doesn't live up to his potential. He doesn't apply himself. I would say to my mom, it's just school. Why would I apply myself there? But then I thought, you know, Pastor Allen, if you need to hear this, Maybe this is just for you. The importance of listening and paying attention. Study. Study God's Word. The importance of listening and paying attention to God in our life. And if Jesus can wield the Word of God, then we too can yield the Word of God. And for us who live today, the Word of God is more readily available for us than it's ever been for anybody who's ever lived. We have more Bibles than anybody. You maybe have your grandmother's Bible. Maybe you have a woman's Bible, a camping Bible, a, a, a men's Bible. Maybe you have a, a Bible that's a study Bible with commentary. You might have one where the words of Jesus are in red. There's all kinds of Bibles. There's more Bibles available and more translations and more languages than ever, ever before. And we don't even have to have a book. The Bible is online. Bible Gateway is a great website. It'll give you a verse every day. You can search for anything, a story. You can search for uh, humility, temptation, love, and it will bring up the verses right there. And that's not the only one. You can have the Bible on your phone. You don't have to carry around a book. It's right there on your phone. The Bible, the Word of God, is more available to us than ever before. But sometimes we can be intimidated by it. You know, we always think there, there are people that know it better than I do. There are people that can quote chapter and verse. And sometimes we can get lost in the numbers, the chapter and the verse. And I don't, I don't know that. I can't, I can't turn to Habakkuk like right away uh, instantly. I'd, I'd have to go to the front and then I feel embarrassed that I got to look at the index of the Bible. We can be intimidated by it, but it is the Word of God, and it is for us. I have a confession. I, I, not only do I not listen or pay attention, I'm fairly dyslexic with numbers. If you would verbally say a phone number to me, nine times out of ten, I would reverse the last two numbers. That once led to me almost sleeping in a cemetery on Long Island, but that's a whole other story. So I don't know the numbers. 
I don't know the chapter and verse. That's not me. That's not the way I'm wired. No, I'm a story person. My grandmother told great stories. My uncle on the Brookside told wonderful stories. My dad told story after story with sound effects all the way through. I'm a story person. So I don't know the numbers. I know the stories, the wonderful stories. It doesn't matter how you know God's word. It matters that you know God's word, that you claim it, that you hold it, that you live it, that you make it part of your life. You don't have to memorize it. You don't have to start at the beginning. You know, if you ever started at the beginning, it's okay for a while. Then you get into the weeds, really. It's numbers. It's Deuteron- It's horrible. It's not an average book. It's not a book you should read from the beginning to the end. If you don't know where to start, the Gospels, Matthew, Luke, Mark, Matthew, Luke, Mark, well, you know who they are. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now I'm really looking bad. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's a great place to start because that's the story of Jesus. We know that story. We can understand that story. If you ever feel bad about your family, my family is just dysfunctional, read some of the Old Testament. Go back there. Those, those people were a mess. I got no idea what their Thanksgiving and Christmas were like, but if you ever want to feel good about yourself, just read their story. But those were the people God was using. And if he can use them, he can use us. Those were the people that were, that were living and, and, and living out the word of God in their time. So he can do it with us too. Ephesians tells us that the word of God is the one the one offensive weapon we have. That every other, you probably heard about the armor of God, you know, the helmet and the breastplate and the shield and the, the belt. Every, everything is defensive. And sometimes we think that's just how we're supposed to live. Just protect me, God. Protect my family. We live defensively. But there is one offensive weapon, and it is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's what Jesus was doing. That's what Jesus was doing. Twice saying it is written, and the last time saying it is said. The Word of God spoken, it is said, because the Word of God will never, ever come back empty. The Word of God is our one offensive weapon against everything that is evil, everything that is wrong in this world, against the devil when we come face to face with temptation. The Word of God is ours to wield and to use. And you can do it however God has wired you. You can know the story The story of God creating everything. The story of him calling Abraham and Sarah. The story of Sarah laughing at him when he said she was going to have a baby. The story of Rachel weeping for her children huddled under a tree. The story of Elijah and Elisha. The story of the widow. The story of Samuel, the prophet, The story of all the prophets, Amos, Micah, who called out to the people mightily, shook the foundations of the temple, turn around, repent, look at God. The stories of Jesus, parables and healings and miracles and wonders. The story of the cross and the story of the empty tomb. 
The story of Paul and Priscilla and those who were trying to discover what it was to be a Christian in their day. And then the story of Revelation. That's a little scary story there. But in the end, it's all wrapped up tight with a bow. The last word is the word of God that will bring it all to fruition. The word of God is our one thing. Our one thing. We'll be challenged in this next step on the walk to read five verses a week, a day. Five verses a day. So that we delve and dive into the word of God. And it becomes part of us. And we can claim it and wield it and stand against everything that is wrong and evil in the world today. Amen.